In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. Here on Notably Disney, I'm often thinking to myself, well, what types of creative conversations can I have with a guest if it's not the traditional interview or a series of lists per se? And then one thought emerged. How about engaging in a game of would you rather of sorts, but specifically, would you rather listen to this piece of music or that piece of music? And so consequently, uh, an episode was born, and so on this one, I bring on the Tomorrow Society podcast, Dan Heaton, as we talk about one of his favorite topics, and mine too, Walt Disney World Music, and essentially position two pieces of music against one another, and we have to select our favorite. This is just a fun exercise, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Strolling through Walt Disney World affords a bevy of sounds and tunes that envelop us in another place from the horse-drawn roads of Main Street, USA, to the jungles of Pandora. And as I spend time listening to the audio and music from Walt Disney World, whether physically in Florida or from the comfort of my home office, I often think to myself, which of these tracks is better? Particularly when I listen to multiple songs, scores, or background loops in a row. And that sparked the inspiration for today's episode of Notably Disney, in which I invited past guest and the Tomorrow Society podcast host, Dan Heaton, to join me as we present 10 sets of Walt Disney World-themed music options to one another. And here we are going to pose some difficult choices of which is better. All subjective, of course. It's a Walt Disney World music choices competition. And welcome back to Notably Disney, Dan. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be back. This is, um, you are the, you're a music expert, I feel like, and have such great guests that I feel a little intimidated here, but um, I'm excited to be on the show and to do what to me sounds really fun. Well, we've talked about music together before, uh, including theme park composers, I remember, on an episode of the Toronto Society. And, uh, you know, it's all, all sometimes 
just about the enjoyment. Uh, like, how does music speak to us? We don't always have to know all the music theory, and certainly I don't know all the nuances there, but that's what's beautiful about Disney music is that it reflects a lot of different moods and and uh, tones and vibes. And, um, and there's a lot to deconstruct when it comes to Walt Disney World, which I know is a place that is very much a centerpiece of of your theme park experience, Dan. So how did you process this notion of when I presented this idea of let's let's present some pairs of options? What was coming across your mind? Well, you know, it's easy to think of it as, um, I started out kind of thinking like, well, this is better than this and all that. But what I found interesting was to kind of get a pair where I feel like I could argue either side and kind of thinking through like, okay, if I was going to, prefer this how would i explain it or if i was going to prefer this because in a way it's very easy to say like um oh you know the interventions music loop is better than i don't know some terrible music in wherever hollywood studios whatever you know so it's but it's harder to look at two and i won't mention any particular that i was going to use but hard to look at two kind of stand attractions or cues or whatever and um figure out now what really works better for me and so that's where i kind of like it was almost a test for myself i listened to a lot of music again and that was fun and um so i'm excited to see what you come up with because you know i keep changing my mind even on the pairs i've chosen okay well i think the time to change our minds has concluded so no more editing for both of us so the way we're going to go about this is that uh we're just going to kind of alternate uh, with with them. So Daniel, pass along a pair to me, and I'll share my reasons uh, for what for why I think one is why I might prefer one more than another. And you, if you're interested in sharing your thoughts, and then we'll flip it and take it from there. But this is just an opportunity to reflect on music that is fun or compelling or speaks to us in different ways. So do you want to maybe start us off? Sure, I will do that. Well, the first one I came up with it's a doozy, I feel like. I have chosen, you know, there is a group of brothers, the Sherman brothers, who have written many great attraction songs. So I chose two, what I consider classic songs they've done. And the pair is Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow at Carousel Progress versus the original One Little Spark from Journey into Imagination. That is your pair, Brett. Oh, I like that. And I like the th thematic approach. So I actually, Dan, I think you're going to see a parallel with me in terms of how I came up with mine. So now I'm getting like really excited. <laughs> so, okay. So here's how I'm inter interpreting it. So we have, there's a great big, beautiful tomorrow from Carousel of Progress, which obviously originally debuted at the New York World's Fair, but obviously is most known to Walt Disney World uh, guests. And then one little spark which is from imagination pavilion which coincided with um shortly after epcot's debut because i think the ride came out a little bit after right the year later in, in 83 it was supposed to be part of the opening yeah. but they just the ride they couldn't get it done in time so it was like i think the next spring or something right and both of them are bouncy songs and they are meant to lift up one's spirit um i think for me i'm probably you know, I probably heard Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow much earlier than I did One Little Spark, just because it was in my Disney repertoire. Um, One Little Spark, I actually don't think was exposed to until much later. I don't think I even rode uh, Journey into Imagination until uh, when I was quite a bit older. So I wasn't as attached or tethered to it, but it has a 
I mean, with one little spark, what's so great about it is that it has uh, a playfulness, a, it's jovial, and the same words could be said about Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. And when I'm thinking about both of these tunes, Dan, I'm not sure about you, I'm not only thinking about the lyrics and how they're the, like commonly presented, but the instrumental versions as well. And for me, I think my choice would be There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow because I think of all the different iterations based on the decades and how it's reflective of the, the, the vibe, whether there's the jazziness or um, more of that uh, techno 80s, 90s flair in the finale scene of the current version. Um, it, I think there's, it's been modified in so many different ways, but all in a consistent manner that just uh, makes me just absolutely buoyant. Um, and actually, you can't see it right now because I have a virtual background, but on my whiteboard, I have written down, there's a great big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. So if that if that's not an indicator of how much I love the song, plus a plaque that says the very same thing, then I don't know what would. So that is my selection. I agree. And the reason I think of both of them as like embodying different elements like one little spark to me embodies not only imagination but like the playful side of the original epcot center and it the, the song is written like it's beyond just what's happening in this ride it's beyond but especially great beautiful tomorrow because you know the sherman brothers wrote it kind of the idea it was like almost a theme song for walt disney where they like where it says man has a dream they wanted to sub in walt and to me um it's not even about which attraction is better to me it's like this song is so quintessential um, when Walt was alive, the spirit of 64 World's Fair and Disney and everything, that it almost could be used to summarize the entire Walt Disney World or the entire Disney theme parks, where one little spark you could say could do that too. But I feel like Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, even more than that, just sums up kind of how I think about um, the best aspects of Walt Disney World, especially some of the like forward-thinking attractions like um, Epcot, Tomorrowland, those types of things. Oh, I like that rationale. There's a uni uh, universality to it. Like it just, it translate across, translates across all contexts. So, oh, love that selection. <laughs> okay. So my first one for you, Dan, uh, is the cue music for Peter Pan's flight versus the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. So both fantasy land attractions, the cue music interesting because you know i'll admit that when i go to peter pan i usually i don't think i've stood in the whole queue in a very long time but i know the music pretty well and then winnie the pooh you know we try to go on but you know the more i think about it i think both have memorable music obviously like you can fly and then all the background from winnie the pooh really sets up the stage for, except for when you have the loud kids in the interactive queue. But beyond that, it really sets the stage for the ride itself. And kind of, again, I hate, to, I think I'm going to say whimsical like a hundred times during the show, but it's very whimsical and kind of magical and happy where, you know, this isn't about the rides themselves because I think I enjoy Peter Pan more as a ride, but I think I would choose the cue music for Winnie the Pooh just because I feel like that really captures what the ride is about and even the various we used to watch the winnie the pooh movie i believe from the 70s a lot when i was a kid in the 80s and that's the one that really sticks with me and all it had all those different stories and the music really takes me back to that especially you have those giant pages and everything else that's stronger only because i think it sums up the movie and the character even more than peter pan 
which um, has great music, but it's a little different what I think as far as the attraction itself. Yeah, th those were really valid points. Um, I would actually agree with the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And here we have the songs by the Sherman Brothers, instrumental versions of them, right? So we have what Heffalumps and Woozles, The Rain, Rain, Rain Came Down, 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 um, Rumbly and My Tumbly, um, Little Rain, uh, uh, The Cloud Song. I can't think of the name. Uh, there, there's so many great tunes from there, and they're interpreted in, in just very clever ways. And we have some like really unusual instruments and sound effects that I think present themselves at different times too. It's a it's a it's a joyful cue to be in. I, I love Peter Pan too. I don't I feel like I, I I might sound like a pariah here. I think the ride is a little bit overrated, but like like do you really need to spend two hours in line for the three minute experience? No. No. Is it a great ride? <laughs> yes. Um well and Oliver Wallace's score for Peter Pan is just so timeless and I really love that. But um for me, Winnie the Pooh just uh knocks it out of the park for me. So yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that um, Peter Pan being overrated, it's not that it's a bad ride. It's one of those with low capacity where everyone will do it. Kind of, you know, there's other examples like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. But not to go off on the tangent, we're sticking to our pairs here. Yes. So I will go to my second one here, which this one, um, both of these are like attraction music. So essentially, like if you're thinking about it, they're both at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And they're both in the same land, actually, which is the music from Navi River Journey by Sandra Benton and the music from Flight of Passage by James Horner and Simon and Simone Franklin. Um, both of those, because I think they play a big role in the attractions. But which do you prefer, Brett? This is a tough one. And I must admit, I've only experienced each attraction once um, this past January on my last visit. So... I'm not very well acquainted with the music for for them. Um, James Horner's score from Avatar, I am. Um, and yeah, and I know that uh, manifests in Flight of Passage very saliently. Um, I think for me, again, not being as familiar with both of these, what I remember stood out to me more so was the music for Navi River Journey, because as a, as a rider, you're more reliant on your senses because um, there's there's storytelling going on, but it's very, very subtle. It's more of just taking in the environment, the ambiance, the the bioluminescence, the the sounds that and 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 the score. Whereas with Flight of Passage, there's so much of a reliance on the technology that I feel like the music, um, while important, is almost drowned out by the visual effects and the physical stimulation that you're experiencing. So for me, uh I would probably select Navi River Journey because it was just such a tranquil experience. And I feel like the score was a little bit more memorable um, in that context. But honestly, Dan, I'm not acquainted enough with both of the attractions to make a really good judgment. So that's that's my shortcoming here. Well, I didn't come here to try and stump you, so I apologize for that. But All good. I thought, you know, it's funny. I swear we're not going to, hopefully we won't agree on every one of these, but I am going to have to agree with you on this one. Because they have, there is the Pandora um, Land of Avatar soundtrack that is great. That's um, available Spotify, Apple Music. You can buy it wherever. So I've listened to that a lot, probably more than I've. I think I've only experienced each attraction like two or three times each. But um, 
I find the Navi River Journey music to almost stand out from the attraction. It's just like you said, so peaceful, so relaxing, and so important to the attraction. Where until I got the Pandora soundtrack, if you had said, "What's the music like at Flight of Passage?" I would have been like, "Hmm, I'm not sure." But then I've heard it; it's good. But it's 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 not like you said. It's the it's like important to the attraction, but not as essential or up in front. That's that's kind of so. I'm with you. To me, Navi River Journey without the music just does not work the same way. Interesting. Appreciate that perspective. And now there's that prompt for me to revisit both of them. Um, so that'll be on my music docket for tomorrow. Thank you. Um, so, okay. So here's one for you and there's kind of a specific element to it. So would you rather listen to the Tiki 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 room on repeat for an hour or it's a small world. You can pick any of the rooms on repeat for an hour. You know, the obvious answer that people would think is um, you would rather listen to the Tiki Room. But, and I think, because, huh, you know, I feel like, this gives me a chance to say this, I feel like the reputation of Small World as being repetitive and painful is really overdone. I When I ride the attraction, because it's in different languages in each room, it's not just everyone saying it's a Small World over and over and over. It's kind of an ongoing joke, but I think it's really unfair. Now, with that said, if I had to choose, I would still choose Tiki Room because it has a lot of different songs, like the show, especially if you have the Disneyland show, which is like almost 20 minutes. You know, in an hour, I only got to listen to that three times. But also, there's a lot of different styles. And, you know, very, you know, first, you know, you end up with the drums and you have the point with, with the flowers and the fountain and everything else. And so there's a lot of different approaches to it where each one's only a few minutes long. And I find it to also to be kind of relaxing. It takes me right into the attraction. Where Small World, like I have a record album of the 64 World's Fair. I found it randomly um, at a used record store. And it's like the whole Small World and there's a narrator and stuff. And um, it's okay. But again, that doesn't just have the music. But put me in a room. I just, um, because of the lack of variety, it's less about the mind-numbing part. It's more about, I like the variety of the Tiki Room. There you go. I, I appreciate that rationale. Well, and with the Tiki Room too, you're right. There are a lot of different flavors um, with the, the different song. I would actually pick It's a Small World. Um, I have a, um, it's called, I think, Walt Disney in the 1964-65 World's Fair, like the five CD set. Mm. Um, and there's one of them is all dedicated to a small world in different iterations. There's a, a Disneyland Paris loop, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would listen to Small World repeatedly as long as it was different, um, the different styles. If it was the, the, the main tune, so to speak, that would be harder. But I really enjoy that melody for especially instrumentally so excellent well i um i'm i don't disagree really like i said i kind of made the one argument and then flipped over but it was mainly because you put it up against tiki room there are other examples of that i would have had a harder time so i think that's it well should i will move on now to yes, my please. third pair um this is q music which i need to know already so we have the Q music from Space Mountain, which includes the Star Tunnel. You got, you know, I don't. We come so far. There's a lot of diff, there's that do 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 and all that part. You know, a lot of George Wilkins versus the Q music for Pirates of the Caribbean. George Bruns, you know, classic, awesome. Both are awesome, but which is more awesome, Brett? Oh, both are so awesome, Dan. That's not fair. Um, 
and I admit that I listen to both of those cue music loops uh, very frequently. So see with Space Mountain, I think about, okay, there's the star tunnel cue, there's the uh, cue music, there's the exit um, area, there's, there's a variety of different options. Um, and then with Pirates, I do think of the George Bruns, like the main tune that's maybe just a couple of minutes long, but that repeatedly, because there's not many var variations to my understanding. I would be inclined to go with Space Mountain just because I've always been drawn to more ethereal uh, pieces of music and that totally captures it. So while I would gladly listen to both Space Mountain for its tranquility and um, ethereal vibes and a peacefulness that emerges from um, those, particularly the Star Tunnel, as you mentioned. Yeah, um, it's a no-brainer for me. It's funny, I thought you might pick Pirates because I would also go with Space Mountain um, because the Star Tunnel music to me is like one of the top, you know, like in terms of background kind of ethereal type music, like you said. And then also just, um, I don't know, I feel like Pirates theme, awesome. George Bruns, I, th I could think of it, like if you know the ones that you can think of in your head and hear without having to really take a moment and it just takes you right there, Totally, but I just think the whole package, like you said, of Space Mountain and the way that it sets the stage for the ride and the way it enhances the ride, because the ride is um, not as thrilling as, you know, I mean, in theory, not as thrilling, but really all those other elements just create this complete package. So I, I agree. Um, all right, it is back to you. And this next uh, pair will be redundant because literally the next one for me is Space Mountain Star Tunnel music or any of the pieces of music, any of the like uh, Rooms for Horizons by George oh, Lucas. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's open-ended. You could choose any of them, any of them versus Star Tunnel. You know, I'm, I'm like ready to say Star Tunnel. And then it's like, no, Dan, no, you're not. You're not ready. Because um, Horizons, this is like a cliche for Epcot Center fans who went when they were a kid to say Horizons is their favorite all-time attraction. And I've thought about it a lot. I've written a lot of blogs about it, but I, it is, I can't, you know, it just, it's one of those where it's like, I've, you know, even though now it's almost all YouTube, I mean, obviously it doesn't exist anymore, but I still, it still doesn't get beat. And one of the main reasons is the music and not just New Horizons, which hits you in the queue, like the one, the famous one, but if you can dream it, you can do it. There's a really cool space one that I think is amazing, um, which I, I forget. I'm trying to remember if that was George Wilkins or not. There's a few different people that wrote music for that. And then there's other scenes, just like as you go through kind of the early days, and there's even a different version of Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow in there. And then the music in the Omnimax area. Oh, it's too good. It's going to be hard for me to pick against Horizons for anything. So I'm going to pick that, but the Star Tunnel is right there too. Yeah, it's kind of like the the top tier of the top tier and it's funny so like horizons is an attraction that i've never experienced my first trip to walt disney world was literally a month after it permanently closed so my only understandings of it are based on videos of the ride and listening to music i love the music like i literally earlier today was listening as i was uh working on the paper i was listening to a two-hour loop of of the the space theme so um it yeah any of them are good sea castle mesa verde all the every, all the things 
I'm going to have to leave right now and go listen to that. So the podcast is over. That's it. You did it. No. There you go. There's I will going to have to listen to it tonight, though. Um, okay. So um, are you ready for me to give you another one? What did you end up picking, though? You picked Horizons? or did you? Pick I, I would pick Horizons. But, okay. But here's the thing. Star Tunnel, I listen to all the time. And both of them offer that sense of just awe and uh, just peacefulness. And, you know, there's the, the common space theme. So it works. Okay, well, we are switching to nighttime shows. We have two that I have chosen. One of them is for you, is Illuminations, Reflections of Earth, including We Go On, Gavin Greenaway, you know, awesome, versus a show that I haven't seen as much, but I listened to the other day again, amazing, Happily Ever After soundtrack, which is incredible. Which one do you pick? Oh, this is good. Um, well, it's an easy illuminations for me only because I have not heard the happily ever after <laughs> soundtrack, which I, I I don't have any shame in saying. I, I did not visit the parks when it was playing and I have not seen it uh, virtually. So uh, I interviewed Gavin Greenaway a couple of years ago for the podcast, which was a great thrill for me. And he was very nice. And I think I enabled him to have some uh, new reflections, no pun intended, about his work on the on the show about 20 years later. It's it's an incredible suite that has transcended Epcot. It was used for ABC News um, during the time of the Millennium uh, their own Millennium celebration, ABC 2000 uh, with uh, ABC News, I should say. And it's just it's powerful. It embraces the world music feel it's it, it it's incredible it's one of the best pieces of music i think to have come from the disney theme parks i agree and um i apologize again i you know i should have thought about when you all good because my no, thing that's is fine. My, my girls don't love fireworks so um we don't like line up in front of the castle for hours or do any of that so like you know i've seen illuminations a lot of times it's been there for so long and they have seen it but um happily ever after we've seen parts of, but then they're like, yeah, that's enough and stuff. But I will say, I know it's a beloved soundtrack and I listened to it yesterday and was like, this is incredible. This is better than harmonious for sure. Even though a lot of it is kind of similar though, the harmonious with different languages. So I'll ask you this question since you didn't really know, is there any nighttime spectacular do you think is better score than illuminations reflection of earth? That's my question. Oh, I'll still go with what, with what you posed to me, but I probably would be inclined to say no. I do think it's in terms of its utility of music in concert with the visuals and the overall presentation. I I don't think there's anything better. Although Fantasmic, I would imagine, would come pretty close in my book. But yeah. here's the thing: it all comes down to you know uh, number of times that one has seen it in person versus virtually. I was never one to have really seen much of the nine time entertainment, but Illuminations is one that stands out for me. So same here, same here. All right. Well, I will pass it to you. Um, hopefully you could pick something I've, I've never seen so we can ba balance this out a little bit. No, no. I think actually my next pick is something that you might be familiar with because I know you enjoy a good, a good tune and the theme here is Kevin Rafferty, the famous Disney Imagineer, who's actually contributed uh, lyrics and cleverness to some songs. So it is either the main song from It's Tough to Be a Bug, so the We're Pollinators, or 
Friend Like Me from the Enchanted Tiki Room Under New Management as performed by Gilbert Gottfried, otherwise known as Iago. No, I have seen it under new management, though. I think, um, you know, not as often just because when it was playing was kind of um, part of the time. Like, I didn't go as often in the the early 2000s, but I know it played well into the 2000s and late 90s. But um, I can't pick that one, though. Gilbert Gottfried, I just, I mean, his voice for that, I mean... Again, I probably like if now they were like, we're going to bring it back for a few weeks, I'd be like, great, that's awesome because, you know, just something different. But no, I, I don't think I could pick that. And it's not that I'm, I mean, I think it's tough to be a bug is a fun show. And, uh, you know, it has a lot of funny, like Kevin Rafferty is great with like wordplay and with puns and with kind of all the different kind of goofy jokes he makes and everything. And I feel like that's a good example and I like it. Um, and I think the music does fit really well in the show, but it's more about, I just can't do it with under new management, Brett. I can't. <laughs> it's okay. And I technically, I, I realized it's not friend like me. It's friend like Iago. That's technically the name of the song, but um, it's a parody. Uh, yes. I, I would go with uh, It's Tough to Be a Bug as well. Um, it's, and it's super quick. It's a really short song. It's like a minute long, but you know, it's just extremely fun. And um, it's, a, it's a nice finale for the uh, overload of the senses that people experience. Yes, so. the bee gets, them, gets everybody every time. You know? yes. um, all right, next one for me. We're going to stick in one attraction which is the American Adventure, which, you know, wonderful attraction, wonderful show, has multiple great songs. And so, Brad, your choice is Golden Dream, Randy Bright, Bob Moline, versus Two Brothers, written by Irving Gordon, and then sung by Ali Olmo, who's actually made some recent appearances with Retro Disney at their events, um, singing it. I've not been there, but... um. Both of those beloved songs, standouts, both of them also appear in Great Moments of Mr. Lincoln, which is kind of cool to see in California now. And so which would you choose? Well, we are both going to be answering this because this was actually on my list too, as far as <laughs> we, 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 we operate on the same wavelength, Dan. So <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Um, so yeah, I expect a really rich answer from you as well. Um, so Golden Dream montage sequence it's we get to see all these wonderful highlights in american history so we have the song that is uh punctuated at times by speeches from jfk and martin luther king jr um but ultimately the song is very uh uplifting and um joyous we have a lot of different singers um so it, it feels like there's some variety in that two brothers of course is more solemn it's uh, it feels very antiquated in the appropriate way in terms of just this uh, almost like an ode to uh, to uh, to this period that was just so unfortunate in our history where you'd have one one brother as part of the union and the other with the Confederacy um, and I, I just feel always so emotional whenever I hear two brothers um, it's just it's overpowering in terms of the sadness and um and it's i would say one of the darker disney songs that i don't think gets as much uh credit so it's nice to see that um that event has paid homage to it um 
That, that's the one that stands out to me. That's interesting. I think both are great. And yeah, like when they had the performance at Retro Disney World and Tammy Tucky, who, you know, sang with her. And there's actually there was an extra verse that they didn't include in the show, which they did sing, which I thought was was super cool. And um, it's out there on YouTube, everything. It's definitely worth checking out. But I would actually pick Golden Dream, but it's nothing about Two Brothers, just because I feel like Two Brothers is a great moment, one of the standout moments in the entire show. They do such a good job with having the animatronics and then having the, the pictures, and one of them goes away. And it's just, it's great. But I feel like Golden Dream just like sums up that show so well. And especially they have made updates to it. And I feel like the most recent update, they also re updated the sound. The last time I went, I'm talking 2019 is the last time I saw it, and they had done the sound so well, and you get to the point, and then they're adding things like like Barack Obama's inauguration, all these kind of right. recent moments, which I experienced more than like Kennedy or something where I wasn't alive, and it's just like, oh man, man, it's just so powerful, and you could make either choice and totally sell it, but to me, I feel like, especially the most recent time I saw it, and admittedly, it was like at 10 p.m. or something. They were doing illuminations late. It was really late, and it had been a really tiring day. And I was just like, man, this is good. And um, it, it, to me, sums up. Like I said, I've chosen a lot that kind of sum up, but it sums up the American adventure on the whole. And um, a lot of even what they were doing, I thought, with like World Showcase and everything, so well in those early days. It's crazy to think that attraction was an opening day attraction, given all the technology and what they did there. That's very true, and it still remains fairly popular. And every time that I've been in the theater, there's always applause at the end and a sense of just where people can take a breath at the end because it's just, it's it's so inspirational. And there's a sense of, I don't know, uh, optimism, particularly when there are so many uh, issues and, and so much divisiveness that is inherent in our country right now. And I think the the pavilion offers such a great deal of, of hopefulness. Um, so great. Yeah. And you're right with being played in great moments with Mr. Lincoln at Disneyland, that it is kind of nice to see that thread line there because it is kind of unexpected for folks. If you, if you haven't been there and then you hear these Epcot songs, so to speak, played yeah. at Disneyland, it's like, what? So, yeah, the version they did most, I, I forget when they exactly updated it, but the most recent update, which still plays there, is so well done. I mean, it's so much more than just Lincoln speaking, which I know it's the name of it. It, to me, on its own with the pre-show and with the whole show, is um, it's really something what they did there. Oh, absolutely. Well, I like that we were aligned um, in terms of our selections, uh, selection of the, the pairs, even if our choices were different, but we both appreciate them. So I think it goes back over to you then. Um, oh, for this awesome. next one so because you asked me but it's like okay well i was gonna ask you the same one so we're done um so i have a couple of background loops for you so these are background loops for specific lands or areas so toy story land versus harambe in africa at animal kingdom very yeah, different yeah they're very different this is one that i probably feel more strongly about one versus the other than a lot of these where, I mean, Toy Story Land fits the movies well. It has, you know, I think everything they've done with the updates was well done, given the world of it. I like that Slinky Dog is kind of going all around you. And, and you know, um, 
when I've been there, it's been very warm, so there's no shade. So I don't feel like I've just like sat there and enjoyed the music as much as I might with some areas. But I love Harambe. Harambe, just with, you know, you've got even beyond the background music, but you've got often have the drummers playing or so much going on. It's so lively and it's also so well themed. Like Animal Kingdom in general is so well themed, but that area in particular, you could just, I mean, there's so many little touches that you miss if you're not there that often. And then they added the Harambe market over there with food, but it's also so feels so comfortable there. I think it's one of the, I mean, one of the better themed areas in that park, which is saying a lot given and really in, especially in Disney's say recent history, it's been like 25 years almost, but in their more recent history, in terms of big creations, what they did with the animal kingdom and especially that area, it's one of the best themed areas they've done. And, and especially when you're not comparing it to like a galaxy's edge or Pandora, an area that is not connected to an IP. Wow. And the music just really livens that up and it's so subtle and it's not, it just guides you into a certain atmosphere that you would have there. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's kind of apples and oranges, really what we're talking about, um, not comparable types of areas, but still trying to uh, capture a theme. So Toy Story, it's Andy's backyard, Harambe being in Africa. And, and I would, I would be drawn to, to say Harambe as well. Toy Story is my favorite film and I love the instrumental versions of the songs and and even the score and the unique interpretations um, of Randy Newman's music. Um, as much as I enjoy that, I, I I must admit that I would find it a little bit grating if I listened to it endlessly. Um, yes. As much as I enjoy it. And 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 I think that's perhaps a reflection of that there's not as much variety um, as I would say um, with Harambe Plus, I would imagine too, if unless someone grew up in areas where where this style of music, African music would be playing consistently, there's just not as much familiarity. So there's a sense of, of novelty to it, um, which is why I would probably be uh, more inclined to say that I, I prefer it. Yeah, I mean, I have not been to Africa, so I, you know, but... You and it's not. I'm not saying it's authentic. You know, it's still a theme park, but you definitely get that feeling that, um, you know, the feeling that they're trying to convey of being in a different place that has connections to what what like an African um, village would be. I think. I mean, without having experience myself. Well, let's move on. I guess I'm going to then give you another fun, very hard choice. I think. This kind of harkens back to when I was on your show and we talked about cue music because I think we did talk about at least one of these. Oh, yes. Both. Sure. Um, cue music, Twilight Zone, Tower of Terror. Lots of standards, lots of period pieces. Cue music for Soren, Rocketeer, Apollo 13, The Right Stuff, plus the Soren music. Which one is your preference? Oh, my gosh. Wow. That is, that's that's bad. That's just mean. <laughs> That's kind of like, I think probably like Space Mountain Star Tunnel versus Horizon in terms of intensity. So you're right. So Tower of Terror, we're getting the those um, those jazzy standards from the 20s and 30s. And then Soren, there's a few cues, I think, going back to the 70s, but more, more along the lines of 80s and 90s film scores, as you're alluding to. And just a lot of great orchestral music from 
um, Alan Silvestri and Bill Conti and and so many um, James Horner, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, so many great ones. And then the Swarm score, of course, was uh, Jerry Goldsmith, and then recently Bruce Broughton um, uh, provided um, a new interpretation. Gosh, that's tough because I'm thinking about the also the ambiance, and I would much I would prefer to be in the Tower of Terror queue versus the Sorn queue at Walt Disney World in California. I would say it's different. So that's where context really is hard. But if I took the music on, aside, I would probably have to say Soren because I, I'm, I'm very familiar with some of those film scores for Contact and the right stuff. Um, and many, I think Apollo 13, there's a bunch of really great pieces of music. Um, the Rocketeer you mentioned, um, it, that speaks to me more, but I also have such an appreciation for the, the jazz music from, from those legendary artists. Um, that's hard, but I'll go with Soren. Yeah, that, I think that's a good choice. I actually picked Twilight Zone, but I, um, all your arguments is what I think about Soren, because you talk about music that you can kind of put on in the background and I think of the two, I would probably put Soren on more in the background or the the the, the BGM or you know the background music cue, um, and then you know or even the theme song itself. But to me, I was thinking in terms of what like really sets the mood of the attraction. And you kind of referenced it, the Twilight Zone. It just sets the ambiance so well, the Tower of Terror with those standards. And it just seems like I felt like it was such a smart choice. Both of them are because they're taking film scores, but not like ones that you always i mean i know you're you are especially are more of an expert on film scores than i am not ones that right away i would go oh that's this or even the standards a lot of them they have like we'll meet again but there's a lot of songs i don't know or i don't i'm not familiar with the work of johnny hodges really who has a bunch of songs and so but it sets the right mood and it's not really dread it's more it places you in that time period of the of the tower of terror so well but then as you move into the hotel, you're already kind of in that mindset. Um, and um, really, that attraction, I mean, come on. you know, <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. So that's what I would pick, but I can't argue with your pick either. Yeah, you are right, though, about the cohesiveness of Tower of Terror, the, the key music being, I think, more aligned, whereas we'd see a greater range with Soren. So I, I can appreciate that, too. Um, in any case, I'll gladly listen to both of them any day. Oh, yes. So. <laughs> All right. Your call for me now. What do I have to do? Okay. So we are sticking with, um, I'm just going to verify that I am correct with the, um, oh, no, we actually have different artists. Okay. I was going to say that they are the same artists, but they're not. So we have um, Making Memories from the Imagination Pavilion. So it could be the song, could be instrumental version, just anything related to that song versus it's fun to be free from world of motion. And that's Buddy Baker and Exitensio. Oh man. You know, I, I went, you know, I've got center a lot of the eighties. So I'm very familiar with in person with making memories being played before. Well, originally before, I believe before magic journeys, which was the very creepy 3d movie for a kid to see in the eighties when I was young, but and I love that they have very clever pre-show. We always thought it was fun. It was, you know, even though it was a commercial for Kodak, especially with the visuals you were seeing and people taking pictures. But um, 
I can't pick that though because it's. I feel like I sometimes don't give enough credit to it's fun to be free, and this is another one that plays repeatedly throughout the attraction. It's not just like one version. It's one that kind of drives the attraction the whole time, and it also fits with kind of the tongue-in-cheek nature because in, the, in theory, it's like it's just straightforward, but when you ride the attraction with the narrator making fun of stuff and all the gags and everything, World of Motion, I mean, to me, I look at that as like the Pirates of the Caribbean of Epcot, and so it kind of sometimes gets roped in as like, oh, it was boring, it was history. It's like, no, 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 no. This is like classic Disney attraction. Unfortunately, with the sponsors wanting to change it, they couldn't keep it. But that that song is a big part of it. It's um, I love when it gets really fast, and it's just um, it's it's great. And I don't think the unlike some of these, I don't think the audio just listening to the song really does justice to how good that was. So I would go with it's fun to be free as well because I I've, I've listened to it many a times and and how it is uh play differently according to the distinct rooms. And it it kind of has that same buoyant feel for me as there's a great big beautiful tomorrow. And uh, so this is uh, Al Kasha and Joel Hirshhorn, or no, 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 no. I'm thinking about something else. We're, we're talking about Existencio um, and uh, Buddy Baker. Hey, Buddy Baker, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I'm mixing up my Epcot songs. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, the, you know, we have, you know, Existencio, of course, is so connected to Pirates of the Caribbean um, and Yo-Ho. And I just feel like there's that sen- that same spirit of of fun um, associated with it um, compared to Making Memories, which, is, of course, is great and Sherman Brothers um, and is uh, very jovial. Um, but for me, if I were to, to listen to one of the two songs, it would be It's Fun to Be Free. So... I agree. <laughs> All right. Good. My turn now to give you two more. We're going to stick with Epcot Center and um, go back to one that we sort of talked about earlier. But um, we're going to do New Horizons from George Wilkins, um, the song that is in the queue and is played like, if you can dream it, you can do it. Um, yes, you can. And then you're going to go up against Tomorrow's Child, um, Ron Ovedia and Peter Stugard. Um, so which one of those two, which I know, I don't believe you experienced either one of those in person because tomorrow's child was with Walter Cronkite's version, which ended in 94, but I'm sure you've heard both. They're on all the, the, um, CDs and stuff. So which one do you prefer? Those are great. That's a great pairing too. Um, I would be inclined to say new horizons. Um, and I would say, because I think there's, there are elements of it that I feel like have, still been uh, more salient in the Disney zeitgeist um, in terms of the the lyrics in particular, which you made reference to. I feel like that has more, I think, resonance and has been utilized in more context. So consequently, it's more so in my consciousness. I appreciate both the songs and they have the same spirit and optimism, but there are elements of New Horizons that I would say... um, speak to me more. And, and I think I, part of it too, is just frequency of listening to it. I, I, I am more inclined to listen to that versus tomorrow's child. Um, so that not, not necessarily the strongest rationale, but that, that would be my pick. Yeah, I agree. And what I said earlier about horizons, I will say with tomorrow's child, just to give it a big, you know, reason I think it even belongs in the conversation is just that to me, 
it again kind of embodied some of the lyrics where it's like building a world to inspire tomorrow's child. A lot of that really makes me think of Epcot Center and of Epcot and kind of what was being done where it was because there's so many people that are like my age now or people in their 30s and 40s and beyond that as kids were just so inspired by that park. And so it almost to me embodies a bit of what Epcot was now. You could say the same thing about New Horizons in a way. So I picked that as being, I still, I would choose New Horizons, but I think Tomorrow's Child um, also in a smaller, you know, at the end of, of Spaceship Earth, not the not as like present, I guess, but still a, the climax of it from that version. But it was only in the version, which was like eight years, but was not in the Jeremy Irons version, which a lot of people um love rightfully so and then of course the newer version now but so i i think we're both on the same page but um, both are strong choices well and there's also that thread too of really utilizing um a lot of course uh in the choral uh choral music i should say and a lot of uh use of children which we don't get as much these days unless maybe in some of the um I don't know, main shows at the parks, like nighttime shows. Like, I don't feel like there's as much of that in Disney songs in the parks. So I think that's a nice thread at like in the mid late eighties for Epcot. Oh yeah. There's others too. (laughs) Kids singing is a thing. That's definitely a thing from the early Epcot. Um, Especially anything written by Bob Moline. We has a few like that where it's like, Oh, let's bring the kids around, but especially one that I'm thinking of. All right. Well, I will get it back to hand it back to you now. I believe I have presented you with seven, so I have three to go. Indeed. Um, and I know we aligned with the Golden Dream and Two right. Brothers one, so that that threw us uh, for a loop, I think, because I don't think we would, would have expected that. That was a fun pick. No, that seemed kind of, I thought that was one of the least likely ones, but, um, but very yeah. cool. There you go. Um, so I have two catchy songs for you. Um, so this was why I said um, Al Cash and Joel Hirshhorn earlier, because Universe of Energy, the main song. Um, so very catchy. Versus Nothing Can Stop Us Now from Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And that's by Christopher Willis and Elise Willis. Well, I have only written Mickey and Minnie's once. I have you know, heard the song a decent amount of times. I think it's a solid song. The, the traction's great. It's actually um, better than I expected it to be overall. And just the song is a big part of it. I love those um, Mickey Mouse cartoons. My girls love them too. All that said, oh, Universe of Energy. I mean, we wrote that a lot. And of course, Universe of Energy has its, the original version. Great start, the Connect Mosaic, Dinosaurs. Has this film that for a kid was a little boring. It's like the film that then with Ellen, then she was involved with Bill and all that sort of similar but then you get to the end and the curtains go up and there's all these lasers and these people running and universe of energy comes on. And it's like, yes, this is, this is what I enjoy. This is like, it takes you out there. You almost forget that you might've been slightly bored at one point because it ends so well. And it's like, you know, I don't know. I always thought it was a really fun moment. That last, I know, you know, you probably didn't experience person, but that song is just so strong. And um, the way it fits into the show works really well. So I would have to go with that partially too. I wrote that a lot of times and Mickey and Minnie's um, I've only written, like I said, one time. So it's still fairly new to me. I'm sure it's going to grow more as I go. 
Yeah, that, that's a nice memory there, just kind of why it speaks to you. And I feel like more recently, if I'm not mistaken, I, I didn't see a live, but I've seen video in the Epcot Forever nighttime show. Did, did they not use the Universe of Energy song? I think they did. Um, I mean, some of the other ones we mentioned were also in there, like New Horizons and Tomorrow's right. Child. I actually didn't see that in person. Uh, because I saw Illuminations right before it ended and then saw Harmonious, mm -hmm. like the week before <laughs> I've got Forever Star, I saw Illuminations. So I'm not sure, but I think you may be right. That's definitely one that's kind of still stuck with some people, even more than the other big song in the attraction, Energy Make the World Go Round, which I don't hear reference as often anymore. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, what's what's nice with so many of those Epcot songs is is that there's just a, I know we've used the word optimism relentlessly, but it really does fit. And I feel like there's a, a kinetic vibe to it, no pun intended, that it just, it drives you to feel just uh, just excited. And, and for that reason, I quite enjoy it. Um, recently, I, I went on Mickey and Minnie's for the first time and I was really excited about it. I actually, people might hate me for saying this, I enjoyed it perhaps more than Rise of the Resistance. I thought it was, absolutely incredible um but part of it also too i think rise of the resistance just has gone so much attention so maybe my expectations were a little too high even though it's fantastic but the, the music associated with mickey and minnie's runaway railway because i'm so well acquainted with christopher willis's amazing versatility for those shorts which he translated to this and then his wife elise and both of them i've had on the podcast they they really i feel like nailed down the the catchiness and and uh elation that uh is inherent in mickey and minnie as characters and so for them to have the signature tune um and and for it to have been so well utilized in the attraction um just really lifted me up so I would be. I would select uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. The nothing can stop us now. That makes total sense. And I will say that um, my daughters, I really enjoyed Mickey and Minnie's. They love those shorts, but they also enjoyed Rise of the Resistance, especially my older daughter. But um, they would probably. I, I don't think there was a big separation there in terms of which one they enjoyed more. So, and I'm, I'm just saying that I think. Um, I think if it was, I feel I I have to separate the fact that I, I wish that they had done something with the great movie ride and then added Mickey and Minnie somewhere else. But that's almost an entirely different discussion. And it's not fair. Like, I'm really excited they're going to put it in Disneyland and Toontown because I feel like it fits so well there. It fits better yeah. there than at Hollywood Studios in a way. But um, I think that that's great. And it's going to make it an even um, more of a, kind of a classic attraction, I think, if they do that. So, and they are going to do it, I believe, next year. So, excellent. Yeah. And I and I and I feel the abs absolutely the same way. I am very upset that they didn't just build it elsewhere. They really could have just taken down uh, Magic of Disney Animation and put it there. So, yeah, I mean, plus two the capacity because that park really needs more things, and that was just huge. I mean, they, I'm not saying they couldn't have changed Great Movie Ride. They right. needed to make some changes, but again, different podcasts. But just <laughs> I that's like you know I have to start wavering off on that and going on a tangent. Okay, but I will give you another pair here. Which is, um, I feel like we're doing so much Epcot. Partially, it's me, but also because there's just so many choices. There's so yes. many. <laughs> yes, for sure. I agree. Yeah. Like I tried to like be like, I want to do more Animal Kingdom, and I did one or a couple of Hollywood Studios. Nothing against those parks, but there's just so much from Epcot. Um, okay, Kitchen Cabaret. 
I have to mention, I just talked to Scott Hennessy, who wrote a lot of the lyrics, was involved with the show. Buddy Baker also was involved with the music. Soundtrack to that. Very fun. Versus Country Bear Jamboree. What do you choose? Mm. So I'm more familiar with Country Bear Jamboree. I didn't experience Kitchen Cabaret in person, as uh, listeners can probably surmise. Um, But I would choose that soundtrack versus country bears i think i'm just and i enjoy country music i'm i have not always loved the music of country bears i i know it sounds awful to say that and it's it's fine it 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 gets the job done but i feel like there's um a kitschiness and a catchiness to kitchen cabaret that i guess strikes my fancy a little bit more i would i would i would say food rocks is more appealing for me just because it was a little bit more contemporary, but um, Kitchen Cabaret for me, uh, there's a almost a, there's not the same level of timeliness as I think there is with Country Bear Jamboree. And that's by virtue of how long they've been in existence, right? A decade versus Country Bears for 50 years. But um, I don't know, there's just a, a, a cleverness and a um, a certain time and place associated with Kitchen Cabaret that is like, okay, yeah, I'll go for that. Yeah, that's what I would pick too. And it's not because I really dislike Country Bears. It's actually grown on me a bit, especially they made the show a little shorter, which I know bothered some people. But I, And they updated the um, sound quality, which I think helped a lot. And I was kind of amazed the last time we went where um, it was like packed and people were stopping and clapping and um i was kind of stunned because i always kind of had in my head like yeah this one's um you know it's for people that went there for years but it's not really something people care about as much now now with that said i think um kitchen cabaret the fact that it i'm still kind of amazed now i did see it in person but i was a kid and it was it was fun but looking back i'm like still kind of amazed that it existed i'm like and food rocks to a lesser extent too but they were food rocks was doing kind of like Tone Loke and the Beach Boys and Peter Gabriel and some of that and changing it, which is really fun. But the fact that they made Kitchen Cabaret, I'm still kind of like, how did they do that? And then the songs are so weird. It's just one of those where it's it's just um, it's like one of those happy accidents where you're like, you know, they they had a lot of things that were considered more serious, especially even the original Listen to the Land with the host seemed a little more serious. And then you have this just kind of odd show which um, now is the Soren Q is where it was basically, but just the fact that it existed. And um, when I listen to it now or even see it, I still, I wouldn't say that I just like constantly watch the show or something. It's not like one of those that just plays all the time. It's more just that, that it's there or that it was there is, um, is really cool. That's what I think. There you go. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. And it is interesting to hear that country bears uh, still has that fan base. So and and I and and all the better for it because you know there there have been so many rumors over the years over will it meet its demise but um, that shall not go into hibernation anytime soon. So, all so right. Do you have one left or do you have two left? I actually have two. You have two. Have okay, two. great. Yeah. So nighttime spectacular competition for you, illuminations versus wishes. Interesting. Now. We've already talked about illuminations. I'm assuming you mean reflections of Earth, right? Um, correct, there correct. is also the illuminate the various versions, but which I did really like the earlier illuminations. But illumination reflections of Earth, I like bought 
a while ago, especially pre like Spotify and YouTube becoming so big, I bought this CD that was just like, I think it was from the Millennium Celebration, but I bought it on eBay that was like, um, it had Illumination Reflections of Earth and We Go On, then Tapestry of Dreams, the Parade, and then some, and then Destiny, or not Destiny, it's, um, I forget, The Promise, I forget the name of the exact, there Promise, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I will say I've listened to that CD a lot of times, especially I get to Tapestry of Dreams, I'm like, I, I can't, I can't do it, but um, all the time, nothing against the parade, but that, that soundtrack, Oh my, it's one of the best and um, works for me even when I'm not watching the show. It's better with the show. The timing is so good. And Wishes, I saw it a lot. Very solid fireworks show. You know, has its moments. The music, it's okay. I don't have anything against it, but it didn't really stand out to me like Illuminations does. I felt like Wishes um, was a good fireworks show that played for a long time that I know a lot of people love. I just never had the same connection to the music as I did with Illuminations. Well, clearly folks know my answer already. <laughs> I, I, I pressed uh, Illuminations, Reflections of Earth by Gavin Greenaway. Yes. Okay. Next one for me. We're going to do um, something a bit similar and go but this is parades nighttime parades at the magic kingdom we've got main street electrical parade largely based on the broke hoedown by jean jacques perry and gershon kingsley versus spectro magic with music from john debney i believe you talked with and many 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 other people um which of those would you prefer hmm. so i think the the answer here is that i have not seen either in person. Um, I've seen the Main Street Electrical Parade at Disneyland um, over, over different iterations, not in Walt Disney World. Um, and I don't know if there are distinct differences um, in them. No? Okay. Not very much. Now there is with the new version. Okay. Like, because there's like the Encanto and everything else. But up okay. to that point, and even so, I think a good portion is still the same. Okay. And then Spectrum Magic, I have only heard in pieces. So I must admit that. Um, so, and, and I obviously love John Debney and his music, um, but the Main Street Electrical Parade, I, I feel like is because of its familiarity in my music repertoire is the answer. But I, but again, I'm not familiar enough with Spectrum Magic to really make a, a, a balanced decision there. So, yeah. Well, I apologize that I keep kind of no. This is good. Wheelhouse, but we all we all have things that we haven't listened to as yeah. much. That's quite all right. I will say, Spectro Magic. They did release like officially release the audio, and it's like a nice package. Um, I think it's out there on most listening services, but so it's worth hearing. And I do think it has a very memorable soundtrack. More vocals, more like you know, da 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 da, and all this. Very nice. I know a, I mentioned I put it in there because I know a lot of people love that show and were heartbroken when it stopped. And obviously, I don't believe it's coming back because I think the forts are gone. But I would also pick Main Street Electrical Parade here, which I experienced as a kid and then experienced with my kids before it stopped playing at the Magic Kingdom, like around, I think we went like 2016 ish time frame, 2015, 2016, that time frame before they stopped playing it again. Um, and just had great experiences with them, really enjoyed it. I remember just seeing it as an adult 
and appreciating the music and the parade much more than as a kid, where I'd be like, oh, it's lights, that's cool. Whereas as an adult, I was like, this, is, this still works. There's a reason they keep bringing it back. I know some people are sick of it, but it's, um, I wish they had a nighttime parade in Florida right now, but I think it's a classic and um, there's a reason it has, again, is now playing in another version. No, that's great context. And I definitely uh, will be adding Spectra Magic to my playlist for tomorrow in addition to revisiting the Pandora tunes. I will say um, that I first experienced Main Street Electrical Parade uh, during my first visit to Disneyland in 96. And so I do have very nice memories of, of that. And I encourage listeners to check out Light Magic, the very short-lived Disneyland nighttime spectacular from 1997 which i also saw in person and it's fantastic it's all the celtic music that you could ever want and it's brilliant so i'm not sure if you've ever listened to that dan but it's really great i have not i um <laughs> i'm curious though i'll have to check that i've heard the name but i i didn't even realize if you'd asked me dan what is light magic i would have been like next question i'm not sure so um all right your last one brett I am ready. All right. I think you are giving me one, though. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm waiting for it. Okay. Like, anytime now. Oh, okay. It's you. It is me. Okay. So we have another pair of cues. We have Star Tours The Adventures Continue versus Expedition Everest Q. Interesting. This is the first one you've done where I think, like, especially with Expedition Everest, where I have gone on that many times. And I admit that I haven't spent much time in the queue. One, because I often have done single rider or we've done fast passes or, you know, a lightning lane. But, you know, at the time it was fast passes with my daughter and everything. So if you said, Dan, what's the music in the queue for Expedition Everest? I'd be like, I don't know. Actually, I don't really know what it is. So you can help us on that in a moment. I will say I think the Star Wars um, music's good for Adventure Continues. Um, again, it kind of drives the... I actually think that version is excellent, the ride itself. And the music fits right with... I mean, music plays such an important role in Star Wars films and just in that. And I love they still have that chime, the um, Richard Bellis chime, which they was part of the original and the do 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 do, and they still use that, which I think is really cool. I think you may have talked with him. Is that right, Richard Bellis? But um, oh yeah, yeah, he was great. Has done so many cool things, and um, so I would I would pick Star Tours. But part of it is just because I admit um, the expedition ever. Speaking of homework for me, I don't know anything about it, so I will, I will let you tell me more about it. Uh, not a whole lot of context to say, but it's very much in the animal kingdom tradition of relying on that desire to be authentic using instruments that are traditional based on that area. And here we're talking about, um, you know, Indian, Mongolian, and those some of those countries in, in that part of Asia that to kind of give that that vibe. There's a lot of interesting use of of woodwinds um and some choral music as well it's not as I, I think memorable as star tours but that's because that's been embedded in our consciousness for 40 something years and we have some new interpretations from michael giacchino in concert with the the 
standard tunes from John Williams. Um, so my, my pick would be Star Tours The Adventures Continue, but I can actually separate my love of Star Wars music from that because I do think of there's like, I think it's probably about 15 minutes worth that is specifically Giacchino's really interesting interpretation. Some of it almost is like uh, music and it like some really interesting like retro vibes going on that's almost like uh, a meta version of the of the familiar tunes so because of my appreciation for that and a greater familiarity with that versus expedition everest um, i would go with star tours yeah and that's michael giacchino's space mountain music is just so good and um, obviously he's done so many amazing scores but that's one where um i Again, have I mean the Disneyland Space Mountain because they're able to have onboard audio and all that. And I have I did not do it when they had like the Dick Dale score and everything, the Surf score. But the Michael Giacchino score works when they use that one when it's not like hyperspace or anything else works really well. So it's super cool. So I have one more for you, still. Okay, this is the last one. Okay, this one um, is again kind of a it's one attraction. Well, now it's basically. well, until very recently, two coasts, but it was the same one at Disneyland. We're going to go to the Treehouse. We've got the Tarzan medley, which Phil Collins and Swiss Apolka, which is on all the you know music CDs, Buddy Baker and Bob Jackman from Swiss Family Robinson. So, which one do you think is better? So, so the so it's Tarzan versus Swiss Apolka. Is that right? Yes, those are the two options. Interesting. Okay. Huh. So I, so Tarzan, so it's, that's instrumental versions of the songs by Phil Collins and that's Mark Mancina's score. Yes. And then Swiss Apolka. Yeah. Swiss Family Robinson. Hmm. I can't say I absolutely love either. I love the music for Tarzan. I don't love I don't fully love the inter- the interpretation of the instrumentation, but that's just, I don't know. It just, for me, it doesn't work as much as I would love, even though I love the Tarzan music and Swiss Apolka has that classic feel. I go with Swiss Apolka. Why not? I mean, it's just, it's, it's very, I've used the word buoyant a few times. It has that buoyant and joyfulness. It's, it very much feels like it's out of another era and, um, you know, there's some nice organ work. I'll, I'll just go with that. So cool. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one, this is one where, um, I don't always go in the treehouse every time I go, but that Tarzan medley, especially when it was there, cause I know it's being replaced by Encanto, but it seemed like every time I turned around at Disneyland, I was walking by that tree and the Tarzan medley was playing. It's just everywhere because you have the kind of confluence of Adventureland, New Orleans Square, Frontierland, they're all right around that tree. And so I feel like I heard it so much. And I have actually listened, I have this box set, the um, I think it's called the musical history, a musical history of oh, Disneyland, yeah, me too. which yeah. is incredible. It's almost like overwhelming. I wish they did one like that with Walt Disney World. But um I find that even that Tarzan medley works better to me than Swiss Apolka. And I wouldn't even say that, I mean, I like the songs that Phil Collins did um, and Mark Machina did for the movie, but I wouldn't say that I'm like, it's my favorite movie or I listen to the music all the time. But I find that that like small snippet, that like three minute 
that they have like on those albums and everything really works out well. So that's, it just sets the, it reminds me of being at Disneyland and being like, Oh, there's that music again because everything's so close together there too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and those songs are terrific. Like that, those, those songs I will listen to say for trash in the camp. I'll listen to those like endlessly. I just don't, I, I feel like the interpretation doesn't, doesn't honor the film as much as I would like. So that's that's my little uh, you know uh, two cents there. So there you go. So we agreed on a lot um, for the most part. Uh, we really covered all aspects of Walt Disney World, the theme parks. We didn't go to the resort hotels. I was curious if we would end up uh, exploring there, but uh, we kept it to the parks. So. Well, I love just the speaking of the resorts, the music of the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Like I've actually sought out the artist, like because there's some listings online of like some of the like what they are and listen to their albums. Um, and it's incredible. I mean, you can go on YouTube and there's the books, but I didn't know if that was like I don't want to be like I mean, I did it a few times leave anyway, but I would be like this music and you're like dan i i don't know as much about that so i didn't want to kind of but i admit because if you picked other resorts a lot of the other ones i would be in the same boat just where i wouldn't know as much about what background music they normally play at certain resorts beyond like oh i was at pop century and they play the beatles a bunch or something like that you know i haven't been spent as much time just sitting in those resorts like animal kingdom lodge but that's one that stands out to me if you're talking resorts yeah no that's that's really Nice. And, and and what's awesome about that resort, it's just an extension of the Africa section. So it's like, if you don't want to leave the park, you just stay at the hotel. So um, yeah, you, I, I can go to the hotel and not even go to the park. It's just so cool. It really is. Um, yeah, we've covered a lot of ground. We've also covered a lot of decades too. So I think that was a nice um, theme here is that we, we didn't just keep it to current music and we, we mixed up songs and loops and cues and everything in between um any take any takeaways from this experience dan before we I, wrap up i think as much i mean there's just a lot of attraction music out there or even just background music and everything like you even said there's things you want to listen to tomorrow there's things that i want to check out and i feel like you know we barely scratched the surface of a lot of them and you know a lot more even at disneyland which i've been to but i don't feel like i'm as much of an expert so i did more in florida but there's just so much and so many things that you kind of just like experience the park and it's there, but especially the background loops that um, really make a difference with the park. So I think that's really going through this. It's like, oh yeah, I could have done this or this or this. There's just so much more. Absolutely. Well, it was a fun activity to be sure. Um, before we uh, wrap up, can you remind listeners of how to listen to the Tomorrow Society podcast and follow your work on social media. Sure. Yeah. So again, the Tomorrow Society podcast, I mostly do interviews with other Imagineers, other people behind the scenes, podcasters like Brett and others also have done some trip reports and some other fun shows. And you can find that at TomorrowSociety.com. It's also on all your podcast um, platforms, your Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, any of the other ones. I'm on Twitter at TomorrowSoc. Facebook, Instagram, or both at Tomorrow Society. And there's also a YouTube channel where I will sometimes post clips from visits to the park or even some past home movies that we scrounged up from some of our trips. And that's you just look for Tomorrow Society podcast. Well, thank you, Dan. Um, and as listeners already know, I what I really appreciate about your podcast is you 
you find individuals whose stories haven't always been told in the world of Disney Imagineering and so many other aspects um, as well. So that's that's always a treat and I always discover something new. Always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for engaging in this music choices competition. Uh, I hope uh, neither of us embarrassed each other very much in terms of what we haven't been exposed to. And we also seem like we uh, have some similar playlists in the process. So yeah, it was, this was fun. Thanks so much. This, this was a blast, Brad. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you, Dan, for coming on to Notably Disney and posing those very difficult choices for me. I hope the ones that I positioned were not too challenging, but certainly there were some tough calls to make. Uh, and I'd be curious if you, the listener, would have answered something differently from me and or Dan. So we always welcome your perspectives by following me on Twitter or emailing me at notablydisney at gmail.com and sharing your thoughts. And I imagine, given the level of fun that I had with this, that this topic, this type of activity for Notably Disney will reappear at a later date. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at Reports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N Reports. And be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.